All right. Welcome to the second episode of It Never Hurts to Ask. I'm here with Fat Tony. What's happening, baby? How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, man. I'm here in Austin, Texas, the lovely Austin, uh, soon to be the tech capital of the world, for better or for worse. And uh, I'm enjoying my time here. It's my 10th year here performing at South by Southwest. Old man shit. <laughs> so, Fat uh, Tony is a uh, a talented rapper from uh, from Houston, uh, Third Ward, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. Awesome. And uh, you've recently, relatively recently, moved to Los Angeles? Yeah, I'm back in L.A. Um, I moved there on Christmas Day 2016. I consider it my gift to L.A. Um <laughs> And it's my second go-around living there. I, I first lived there six years ago. Made two albums, Double Dragon and Smart Ass Black Boy, with producer Tom Cruise. Um, and, and now I'm back. You know, there was just something calling me there to make some more music. After my first stint living there, I always returned to make more music. Like, I recorded all of my projects there, even when I lived elsewhere. And um, I found an opportunity to, to move back, and it's really been a big blessing. Awesome. Well, so I want to talk to you a little bit about the music, and then uh, from there we're just going to chop it up and, and see what we get into. Um, so the first album I heard you on was back in 2010, which I still can't pronounce. You even told me how to pronounce it. Gab. Thank you. <laughs> I love that album. Um, one of the things I think is really neat about you, um, especially being from Houston, is you don't have what I would consider like a stereotypical houston sound you've got yeah. you're kind of musically all over the place to a degree and i mean that in the best sense possible mm -hmm. um and i know you've got one track off of uh i believe it's smart ass black boy mm -hmm. uh bkny yeah i dug that song and that one's neat because again that style bkny sounds like a a new york track yeah, and it's and the sample in it is this Ethiopian song, really, which I think adds a whole another element of grooviness to it. I dig that one. And then you, uh, I recently have been listening to. Should have done my homework. What's the the new album? Uh, Matt Gregor Park. Matt Gregor Park. I like mm -hmm. that one. Um, and you've got yes, yeah, some more West Coast sound on McGregor Park. You got some Houston sound. A couple tracks that sound like that of Houston. Yeah. Title track uh, produced by Tom Cruise, aka Goldeneye, I would say is my most Houston sounding song. Yeah. It's, it's, it like straight up feels like screw, in my opinion. Yeah, it's you got know, a with, screw sound with, to with it. Like a lot of the cuts that he's doing on it and just the, the whole vibe of the track. Like, I don't know. At the time when I made that song, I felt like it was my best song that I had written so far, and I'm still in love with it. Um, I would really attribute a, a lot of my non-stereotypical Houston sound to my longtime collaborator, Goldeneye, a.k.a. Tom Cruise, a.k.a. Shaka Gervin. He's, he is a Jamaican-American that's from Atlanta. and um, But he was, actually, he was actually born in Texas. He was born in Austin, Texas. Oh, yeah? And he's, his, his mom's family is from Houston. Um, and, and that's kind of part of our uh, connection. But, you know, another part of that is really a conscious thing. Like I grew up being into all kinds of music. I was heavily into punk music growing up and into all kinds of rap music from Houston rap to shit from Atlanta, like Dungeon Family, Kilo Ali, to shit from the Bay Area, like Too Short and, and Mac Dre and, and Mac Maul and E-40, who's my favorite rapper of all time. Is he? I, I, I love East Coast stuff, especially Native Tongues guys. Like, you know, De La Soul, Prince Paul, Tribe Called Quest. So my, my influence comes from all over. 
and I've always tried to be, I've always tried to put that into my music because I want to make it as original as possible, obviously. And I want to reach people who are kind of like me, people who had a lot of open-minded taste, especially when it comes to rap music because I, I find it's more common, you know, I mean, now it's common to meet anyone that likes all kinds of music. But like growing right. up, I felt like it was harder to meet people who were hip-hop fans that were diverse in when it came to hip-hop. Like growing up, a lot of folks were only into like backpack rap or they were only into radio rap or only into See, and I rap. See, and I grew up big on the Southern, Master P, UGK, Houston Screw. And it wasn't until, you know, later, probably even into college where I really started to bring... I mean, everybody growing up, you listen to a little Jay-Z, a little DMX, but it wasn't, yeah, a little bit older where I started to really broaden my horizons. And I love everything from, like, an early age. Like, I loved all kinds of hip-hop. My very first show was fucking MF Doom. Okay. I I bought every Jay-Z album, Nas album, loved UGK, loved Mac Dre. From, like, the moment I heard about all these artists, I was way into it. Um, And I I always saw rap as one thing. I, I always saw music as one thing. You know what I mean? Like, it was never weird for me to be into punk and be into rap and be into electronic music and be into pop music and experimental music. Like for me, it was all great. It all expressed a bit of humanity that I was looking for. Yeah. So <clears throat> I wanted to come back to that, that first album. Um, probably my favorite song by you is, uh, I ain't fat. Mm-hmm. Um, and nigga, you ain't fat. My <laughs> house is my, I love that song. Um, and it's funny because in the song you actually talk about don't ask me what my name is. Yeah. So I'm not going to ask you. I'm just going to tell everybody listening. Uh, Tony basically says, you know, he grew. I guess you grew up as a fat kid. Totally. S- slim down. If, you, if you've if you ever sle- seen Tony, he's a pretty slim guy. I should be Fat Chris comparatively. <laughs> but uh, uh, I love that song. Um, one of the things I find funny, though, is you kept the name Fat Tony. And at least in one of your songs... You definitely rap about fat kid topics. You got drive through, yes. Which to anybody who hadn't heard it is basically a love song to Whataburger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which which I dig. Um, I identify as being a fat kid, even now that I'm older and like a little bit healthier. I feel like there's a lot of experiences that come with growing up being like chubby. You know, feeling like you're not attractive enough. Feeling like feeling kind of embarrassed about playing a playing a sport, feeling more to yourself, wanting to watch TV, snack out and stuff, and um, a lot of those like thoughts have like lived with me. The insecurities and, and everything, totally. And I made that song kind of in an effort to promote like body pos- positivity. Even before I ever heard of that term, I like wanted to keep the name Fat Tony and make that song to let people know that. If you are fat or if you were fat, who gives a fuck? The only reason why I think people should start to slim down is if it's a health concern right. and they want to get healthier, which I totally promote. I think that it's wise to to be fit, you know, but I don't think anyone out there should ever feel like they're ugly because of their weight, especially if it's something that's that's out of their control because people can slim down but still look a little chubby or feel a little chubby, you feel me? Yeah. And uh, I just don't want that to fuck with people's heads. Like, don't get caught up in, like, the standards of beauty. Find your own beauty. See, I, I, when I was young, same thing. I was a fat kid. 
Then come about fourth grade, I just dropped down, get, became real thin. So I got to be skinny for a couple years, mm-hmm. but I still had all those fat kid insecurities. And yeah. then come college and the freshman 15 turns to freshman 20, I'm back to being a fat kid. So yeah. it is how it is. But yeah, you got to love yourself. Um, oh, so that, that track, uh, I Ain't Fat, brings me to a question that, that I, I have this discussion with really any rapper I get to sit down and talk about. Um, and it's an awkward one as a white person. But the the song uh, "I Ain't Fat" is "Nigga I Ain't Fat," mm-hmm. which brings me to my question: As a white kid listening to hip hop, if uh, I'm rapping along to words you wrote, do you have an issue with white people saying that word in context of your lyrics? Or do you wish they wouldn't? What What are your thoughts on that? Great question. I put that title in there to make people feel a level of discomfort. Like I wanted a white listener to hear that song and see that title and feel kind of like a bit of a taboo about saying it or like question themselves if they could say it. Because I think it's really about the context. Like nigga can be used in the arts and in entertainment by all kinds of people in all kinds of ways. But I think when it's used in a hateful way or a disrespectful way or a degrading way, then it's fucked up. Yeah. You know, um, and I think generally speaking, when it comes to hip hop, if you're a white person that's part of the hip hop culture and have any sense to you, you kind of already understand that it's not comfortable for you to say nigga around your black friends and maybe not even around your white friends. And I would advise white fans in hip hop to not use that word. But if you do use it, especially around people that feel comfortable with it, then that's fine too. Like I have white friends who don't say nigga because it doesn't make them comfortable and that's fine. And I have white friends and and some even half white friends like ill fated that that say nigga and they feel totally comfortable with it and everyone that they grew up with is fine with it and it's okay. It it doesn't bother me personally un, unless it's coming from like a disrespectful place. I feel you. Know what I mean? Yeah, I uh are you familiar with the comedian W Kamal Bell? No. He uh he had a show on FX for a while. He uh wrote with Chris Rock for a while. Mm-hmm. Um but he's I would I would consider him a uh, a woke comedian. Mm-hmm. Um real smart dude, but I, I got to sit down and talk with him for a couple of days when he was in town for a Moon Tower Comedy Festival. And I brought that question up to him in in just, you know, the middle of one of our discussions. And he said something that that I, really stuck with me. He said white people could say uh, nigga anytime they want so long as they're prepared to deal with the consequences of when and how they use it totally which i, I think is fair i think it's totally fair because you, you know like there's certain like just like off top you know it's not cool to say nigga around certain people even me as a black person i know that there's certain black people that i can't say nigga around that they get offended by feel me like and the you- older Sure, yeah, totally. Yeah. Some like younger fools too. I've I've okay. had some like younger fools who were not cool with me saying saying nigga. But personally, I like saying it because it's such a deep part of our history in, in this fucking country and I don't want to sweep it under the rug like it never happened. And I love these kind of conversations where people examine the word and kind of see all of its effects. Yeah. Rather than, than just view it as like, oh it's cool or it's not cool. Like Start start to wonder why. You yeah, know? And, and to clarify to people listening, and, and also to you, Tony, the reason I I use it particularly in this context with you, and not say uh, you know inward is I feel like that to a degree infantiles 
infantilizes the person I'm talking to. Yeah, totally. So it, if you have an issue with me saying it in this context, please let me know. But it's, dude, it's fine. I don't like fucking look, dude. And another thing I feel is like when it comes to the arts and like entertainment, there's it's it's a no holds barred playing field. Right, kind of like comedy. Yes, totally. Like like if I'm gonna put nigga in the title of my thing. How can I expect someone to not say it to me? You know right. what I mean? And what really inspired me to use that was I love this Richard Pryor album called That Nigga's Crazy. <laughs> and I couldn't believe that he named his like hit album that fucking won Grammy for like comedy album of the year. Yeah, nigga in it. Make a bet midler or something, say that on stage when yeah, she announces that is, that is hilarious to me. <laughs> that's great. Um so we're gonna move on a little bit. You being from Houston, um, you know I gotta bring up UGK. Yeah, I love them. And Best Screw rap group ever. And all of it. Um, you had a song with Bun B. Mm-hmm. So you know Bun B a bit. Yes, are great you, guy. Are you in regular contact with him? Are y'all is are, is he like an influence you can text just yes. on the fly? Yes, man. I hang out with him. He's a he's a great guy. I'm 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 really embarrassed because a few weeks ago we both played the Tucson Hip Hop Festival and. I went to the place I was staying to like chill out and like take a nap before his uh, performance, and I missed his set full. I, oh, no. I like woke up and I was like, "Oh, it's time to go." Oh, it's probably running late. I was wrong. The fucking show ran right on time. I got there right as he finished, and he was already out the building. I feel like Bun B is one of the more punctual rappers out absolutely. there. Absolutely, he's he's absolutely professional. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Even when he did the song with me, like he like really surprised me because he came to the studio, and um, so he didn't he mail his, in a verse. You both sat down and collaborated yeah. in studio together. Yeah, awesome. came in. Song was finished. I I had done my part. Nick from Islands had sang the chorus, um, and Bumby came to my studio with his wife. His his wife chilled out in the car. He came Queenie, in, right? Yeah, Queenie. Bun B came in the studio, sat, sat, sat down, wrote his part really fast, did a couple takes of it, and was done and, and was out. And he showed up right on time, didn't have an entourage, wasn't there to like get like fucked up and like chill out. It was totally pro. And that really, that like really, that like really inspired me. It like, like showed me that you could make a career out of this and take it as like a serious job. And it's not all fun and games, which is something that I knew. But to see a legend like that moving like that, he's not mailing it in. Yeah, that was like, whoa, like this, this fucking grown ass man pulled up with his wife, no dudes with him, did his verse and bounced. That's great. Came right on time, didn't fucking reschedule. It's, it's just, I don't know. Life is better when when you move like that, you know. It's better for everybody. It's better for yourself and for those around you when you're not wasting anyone's time and you're doing your job correctly and you're staying true to your word. We'll come back to you, J.K., in a little bit. I know you and I both have thoughts on them. Hell yeah. Um, who else in the Houston rap scene are you, do you have a relationship with or would you consider a mentor? I mean... Who else in the game? Matt Sanzala, who ran the uh, Damage Control radio show on KPFT for many years. He's also been involved with South by Southwest. Um, He used to write for the magazine Murder Dog. He's a freaking Texas legend when it comes to putting Houston rappers on to the rest of the world. He gave me my first interview and is my friend to this day. And I have a lot of respect for him. 
Um, Devin the Dude. Huge, huge fan of him. He was the first major artist that ever allowed me to open up for him. And he was friendly to me and didn't treat me like a scrub or like anything. He's always been a really nice guy. Is he as high as he seems all the time? Yes, he is. (laughs) And And the last time I saw him... He was like, dude, take my phone number. Let's make some music. And I've been knowing him for like 10 years now, and I never thought to approach him to do anything. And to have him speak to me like that was really, really something really, really special. I'm a huge fan of Devin the Dude. I honestly think he might be the best rapper of all time, or at least the most original rapper of, of all time. There's there's no one that's ever been like him. I've never um, seen I don't think there's anybody out there who can rap about one topic as diversely is as Devin can. Yeah, I love Devin because even though he like tags himself as like being this guy that's all about like weed and like women and he tackles stuff depression like that. and some he heavy like, issues. He like tackles everything. He's yeah. like a, he's a great storyteller. He tackles great storyteller. He fucking man, don't make don't make me go on a tirade. Just everybody <laughs> out there go out there listen to Devin the Dude's first two albums. Devin the Dude and Just Trying to Live and you tell me how you fucking feel. Doobie Ashtray. Doobie Ashtray. What a sweet, beautiful song. That's a good one. Ab- about making something out of nothing. Yeah. And then going back to, to nothing, really. Mm-hmm. No, I love Devin. Um, are you fucking with anybody in uh, Los Angeles? Artists? Yeah. Absolutely. My uh, roommate, Lucas Gorm, a.k.a. Heaven, he is also from um, Houston. Him and I have a, have a kind of crazy story. He's a few years older than me. Um, and I met him because back in the day, me and his little sister, Krista, used to play like punk music to get together and just like hang out and like jam at his house. And he always knew of me as this little punk guy and never knew I even made rap music until a few years later when he like saw me playing a show back in Houston. It was like, oh, that's that little punk kid that my sister's friends spent with. He's a rapper. What the fuck? And now me and him are, are making tracks and working on an album. Um, I, I actually got a lot of friends who are either from there or have moved there and we continue to work heavily. People like this uh, producer named Grey Goon, rapper named Wes Period, my boy Nick from the band Islands and the Unicorns. Um, damn, I'm probably blanking out on mad names now, but it's a lot of niggas. Oh, oh my boy Morris, who uh, produced an EP of mine back in... 2016 him and i continue to work together and to dj together he's like one of my favorite people i've ever worked with because i feel like we have a lot of the same interests and have a similar background as far as i like interest in all kinds of rap music and pop music and and punk music and beyond um so yeah those are some of the guys i'm rocking with right now just honestly Check my Instagram, check my Spotify, check my Bandcamp because I'm a collaborating fool. I'm constantly working with new artists, old artists, and trying to check out everyone's vibe and mess it with mine and see what we can come up with. Right on. Let me so let me ask you some hypothet- uh, a hypothetical or two. So let's say let's say Fat Tony, you, you take it to the next level. You're you're a real big deal. Let's say you're on like a, a Kendrick level. Mm-hmm. Hypothetically, you get to make music with whoever you want. Yeah. If you could have one, one or or two people produce, you know, an entire Fat Tony album, anybody, your dream producer, who would it be? I'd work with the Neptunes. They're they're probably my favorite 
they, they they probably made my favorite beats of all time. I've always been a Neptune stan from everything they do, from fucking NERD stuff to Clips to Khalees. Huge fan of those guys. And they've been around for forever. Them. I, I would love to just meet them and talk about music. Yeah, yeah. Pharrell's got to be conservatively like 73 years old by now, right? <laughs> Pushing that. <laughs> yeah, those are, yeah, that, that would be my dream to do something with the Neptunes. That would be my fucking dream. If they'd be up for it, I'd do an entire album with them because I feel like I could learn a lot from them. Um, something that I've noticed over the years is that people that I was a big fan of that I later got to work with. I, I, I like found some like similarities in our personality and our interests and our values. People like Murs and Bun B, you know, folks that I idolized growing up when I got to meet them and like work with them. We, we, we became friends because I found out that we had more in common than just music. And I'd be interested to see if I have anything in common with Chad Hugo and Pharrell Williams. <laughs> um, Going back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier about living in, in L.A., uh, I got a little bit of experience living in L.A. My, uh, my mom lived out there. I'd visit. How, how's living in L.A. compared to, to Houston and Texas? I personally am not a huge fan. It's too crowded for me. Mm-hmm. But w- what is it you like about living in L.A.? What do you miss about Texas? I don't really like living in L.A. because something about the place just feels kind of corny to me. I feels a little feel fake like, to I, me. I feel like it's really typical to be a rapper that lives in Los Angeles, even though that's my career. I don't, I don't know. Just like something about that title just doesn't sit right with me. Um, but I love it because the opportunity there is crazy. And a lot of people that I work with live there or they visit frequently. So for my business, it's really, really fruitful. And I can say that, Absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, living in Los Angeles has greatly benefited my life and my career in this past year. And 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 just people that I've worked with and money that I've made in my personal life too. So I don't want to sit here and just shit on it, but I don't feel like LA is where I'll be for the rest of my life. But this period of my life, it is really, really fruitful and I'm thankful to be a transplant there. So it's great. Uh, creatively for you, but not necessarily the the culture you yeah, strive to. I don't to think that I'd want to like buy a house there and like raise my family. Oh, shit, if you there. can buy a house there, you're doing pretty well for yourself, right? If I could afford to buy a house there, I'd buy a house somewhere that's more affordable and just live extremely comfortably. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but compared to Houston, it is pretty similar because it's spread out and there's a lot of traffic and there's freeways everywhere. Um, but I would say that that's the biggest similarity between the two. Houston has a certain cultural vibe that I can't get anywhere else in the world. I, I, I really feel like Houston is a very special place when it comes to food, music, and culture. Um, that's one of the things living in Austin. So I'm from Dallas originally. Yeah. Um, lived in Nacogdoches, went to Stephen F. Austin for a while, lived in Austin, so I visited Houston. So I've got an idea Texan. Thank you. That means a lot. Um, but especially in Austin, there's this kind of stuck up vibe of, oh, Austin's the best city in Texas. Nothing beats Austin. It's not at all. I'm sorry. Austin's Austin's not a bad place to live. I don't want to shit on it. But in, in my opinion, Houston, when I think Texas, I think Houston. Me too. I think the, the music, people talk about the Austin food scene. Food scene's better in Houston. Food's, Way better. Food scene's better in Dallas. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Same I thing as Houston. I would love to Houston. check it out. The international type cuisine. I mean, just like Houston where you can get any kind of cuisine. Yes. You can get that in Dallas because they've got the people to support those those neighborhoods, those vibes. That. Austin's very – we get a lot of the experimental, a lot of the trailer food, mm-hmm. like neat, okay food. But if I want to go eat like some down ass Thai food or yeah. some really good Ethiopian food, yes, Houston, Houston, all da- day. Dallas's Ethiopian population huge. I've heard no way. I I believe it's bigger than Houston. Or I love Ethiopian food. I do too. Uh, to be fair, Austin does have two good places. I haven't been there, but I've but I've heard of them. They're good. I've wanted to go. They're good. I'm, they're they got nothing on Dallas and Houston, but but they're good. Um. So, so staying on Houston a little bit, let's circle back to UGK. I can't let you out of here without us without us discussing. Yeah. Um, Best rap group of all time. They fucking changed my life. I want you. I want your uh, opinion on a controversial opinion I have okay. that I've I've gotten to arguments with people before. I hold the opinion that, I mean, when we think about it, the the two best rap groups of all time arguably in my opinion are ugk and outcast yeah and isn't it amazing that they collaborated on a song that was produced the best hip-hop song of all that was produced by three six mafia yeah can you wrap your mind around that and it was nominated for a fucking grammy ugk outcast and three six mafia linked up right before pimp c left this world isn't that just like the heavens opening up and like giving us a rap fans wet dream oh it really is and you you've heard the original Project Pat track that is based on. Oh yeah, right? totally, yeah. totally. And that one goes hard too. But man, I I even like the version with just UGK and Three Six yeah. rapping on it. Yeah, it's it's such a great beat. And Pimpsey had the ear to hear that and go, I don't care if it's already a song, I'm going to make it again. Genius. But uh, so my my question, which my, is also a hip hop thing, so sorry to cut cut you off. No, you're good. But to be like, yo, the fucking beat that's already out, I want to rap over that. That's hip hop. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, so my my controversial opinion, you you got your two best groups, UGK and Outkast. I hold the opinion that in terms of influence on culture and hip hop as a whole, UGK is more influential than Outkast. I'm not necessarily going to say they're better. In my opinion, I like them more. But I think when you think of the the influence and the being able to hear their sound from Drake to ASAP Rocky to Beyonce, um. I've heard I, I have a German friend. She's playing me German hip hop, and I heard the uh, the hand clap snare that Pimp C made famous in German hip hop. I feel like UGK's influence in hip hop as a whole is is more influential than Outkast. Outkast is great, but you don't hear dudes coming up today with an Outkast sound. Do you know what I'm saying? What Only are your thoughts a few on that? do. I would. All right, this is how I feel. I agree with you about UGK probably being more of an influencer and just the sounds that people adapt in hip-hop. But I feel like you can't deny that Outkast has really influenced one of the most popular rappers out right now, Kendrick Lamar. I feel like Kendrick's rapping style is so similar to Andre 3000. It's undeniable. Yeah, yeah. Outkast has really influenced... But you can hear UGK's out, of, outcast, or you can hear UGK's influence on even Kendrick, especially those early albums, the uh, section eighty, section eighty. You hear some UGK in that too. I don't know. I I personally feel like it's more of an outcast influence for like 
Kendrick, then for then like UGK. Lyrically, I, also like lyrically Outkast, I would agree. I also feel, feel like the sound of Outkast has really influenced a lot of the left field main, mainstream rappers like Gold Link. Mm -hmm. His his like sound really reminds me of Outkast. Some of my shit reminds me of Outkast. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I think that the influence of UGK is a bit wider because Pimp as a producer, really influenced the sound of Southern rap with like organs and shit. I love and, the organs. And that whole sound dominated the whole culture for like at least a good five years during the 2000s. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now, were you in, were you rapping kind of what that 05 to 08 period where the, the Houston takeover really took off? I was absolutely making rap music in my bedroom then. <laughs> awesome. Um, what are, what's your favorite UGK album? The the best one's Ride and Dirty. Yeah. But my personal favorite has always been Dirty Money because that's the first one that I heard. Okay. I first heard that album through my friend Boris, who is from Dallas. He sent me two MP3s, Chopping Blades, and the other one. I think it, let me it was see maybe, it. maybe Let Me See It. But the one that really hit me was fucking Chopping Blades. Yeah. And I was like, yo, what is this? This is crazy. And then later, I got into E-40, and then I figured out that they took that beat from him. And I was like, whoa, this this like connection's gnarly. This is, this is hella crazy. But anyway, Dirty Money, that's my personal favorite. I don't think it's the most perfect album, but it has some of the most interesting songs. I'm a big fan of like the career of an artist when they hit their like third, fourth album. Yeah. You know, and like even though UGK Riding Dirty isn't like their first or their second album, it it feels like their it's second album. It's where everything to came me. together. It feels like their like albums where they really started to find their voice, which I feel like artists find about the second time time around, right? And I love Dirty Money and that third, fourth album period because that's when they're like, all right, we're like music professionals. We've understood the business. We're like not just totally stoked on being rappers and being like signed and stuff. Now we want to talk about what we really want to talk about, but we also want to get more and more famous. So how do we balance making songs that could be popular hits and also songs that are us? And I think a lot of time artists make make some misses when they get into that mode. Yeah. But I like hearing those too. I like hearing the artists figure that out. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. Right and Dirty is definitely their best album. Super tight is is my favorite. Nice. Uh, it's the same thing. Same story as you. Dirty Money is the first one you really heard. Super tight was the first one I really got into. Nice. Um getting getting close to you, uh having to boogie out of here. You got South by stuff you gotta attend to. I'm gonna end this with uh with one more hypothetical question. Oh. Um I love these. <laughs> <laughs> so Fat Tony, you were you were on an airplane, it is going down, you've crashed on a deserted island. Okay. Your uh your iPhone, it's it's sustained some damage. You've got on your iPhone three artists, their entire catalogs, but that's all you've got to listen to for the rest of your time on this island. Who are those three artists? Groups, artists, singers, whoever. Number one is going to be Prince. Okay. He's my favorite artist of all time. I have his freaking logo tatted on my body. 
right above my bikini kill tattoo. Um, he's the artist that's influenced me the most, that's inspired me the most, and he still does to this day. He's the only artist who like made me like fucking cry in my bed when he passed away. He really means a lot to me. He like represents a lot of shit that's important to me. He's like he's a he's a fucking black rock and roll genius. He's a queer icon. He's a he's a he's a pan genre mastermind. I can't say enough interesting stuff about him. I love everything that he did from his best work to his mediocre work. I love that he wasn't afraid to like tackle different mediums from like film to everything else. Um so yeah, definitely Prince is one of the three artists that yeah. I'm putting in there. The two other artists and I'm only rocking with their catalogs. I'm going to say UGK because I fucking seriously love them. And third, I'm going to say E-40 because I love his voice and how funny he is. He's fucking He's brilliant. He is brilliant. You know You know what I really love about all three of these artists and what impresses me about any music artist? It's when an artist says something that I've never heard some somebody say before. Like, like Pimp C... E-40 and Prince have all said phrases that I've never heard in my entire life. Like, put words together where I'm like, wow, no one's said that before. That's a completely original way of phrasing that. Even if the thought is not original, even if the thought is like something that's 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 been put out into the world before, the way that they phrased it was really interesting. And that's what I look, look for every time I find out about any new artist. There was a... a, a I don't know what kind of researcher he was. I think he was a linguist, but he was studying uh, hip-hop lyrics. And he analyzed all the unique words that individual hip-hop artists used and then kind of ranked them based on largest vocabulary to some of the smaller ones. Lil Wayne, on the lower end of that spectrum. But uh, E-40 and Aesop Rock. But uh, E-40 and Aesop Rock had the highest vocabularies of, of any rapper, and their E-40's vocabulary actually was larger than Shakespeare yeah. and larger than Moby Dick, the book, which I guess is one of the uh, most expansive uh, collection of vocabularies in a written work. But E-40, because he was he has, he created so many words, all the shizzle, dizzle, all of that came from E-40. Mm-hmm. His vocabulary just leaps and bounds larger than everybody else because he's a genius. But like it's pretty clear with Aesop Rock and E Forty that both of them love to read and love to just they're smart dudes put words in, into their brain. I totally feel that. Like I love discovering a, a new word that I've, I've never seen before or like heard before, and I look it up and I take a screenshot of it. I like keep a folder on my phone, like like a, like a photo album of just new words that I come across. Do you try to work those into your, your songs? If 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 it happens naturally but not on purpose. You I gotcha. Know, like I just You don't just grab one out and try to throw it yeah, in. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I try to stick it in my in my brain and like use it when it fits. I gotcha. You know? Um you know, Lil Wayne not having the most words, I don't want anybody out there to think that he's not a good rapper. I oh, I, no, I sometimes feel that Lil Wayne's the best rapper of all time. He's he's talented. He's I, like I like the his, most like his word emotional play. rapper sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Well, Tony, I appreciate you coming out. I know you got South by stuff to attend. Is there anything you want to tell the listeners before we uh, get out of here? If you're an artist out there, keep finding your own voice. 
don't just be an armchair A and R dude trying to figure out how your career can like go the best way. You know, that's a big, big part of it, but that ain't the only part. Art is very important. So don't sleep on yourself. Don't feel like you have a limited window. Just just a peak as an artist. You can work on this your entire life, whether it's your job or not. Making art is a real gift, and you should treat it like it's something special. Awesome. Tony, I appreciate you coming out, man. We need to do this again. Thank you.